Good morning. The scriptures today are from the book of Deuteronomy, first chapter six, four through five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Next is chapter 12, 10, 12 through 13. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. And now chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will send rain on your lands in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and oil. And I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. The word of our Lord. Shema, which means hear in the Hebrew language of the Bible. The Shema calls us to love the Lord our God. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. It isn't just love the Lord with heart, soul, and strength, but with all heart, all our soul, all our strength. Three times we hear all. A small word, but boy, it covers a lot of territory, doesn't it? All. The Shema heaps up three expressions to try to convey the totality of commitment appropriate to the love of the Lord our God. Uh, The use of all three times highlights the total response of love to the lordship of God. Again in chapters 10, again in chapters 11, Deuteronomy, loving the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul is echoed. Apparently the Lord doesn't want half-hearted devotion. Apparently those who are in relationship with him are to love him full on, abandoned, pedal to the metal, We're to love him with the full capacity of our being, our heart, our soul, our strength. You know, different people over different times of world history have thought about and debated what human beings, what we human beings are about. How how are we made? Uh, That we are physical beings, that's obvious enough. We have bodies, right? And then that we're mental beings. Well, I hope so. We think that that we have minds. We know that. Um, Whether... We're spiritual beings, whether we have a soul, that's been debated by different people. Um, What is the soul? Where is it? How does it work? I had a professor, philosophy professor in college who didn't think human beings had souls. We talked. Um, We're not going to get philosophical this morning, but the Shema suggests that human beings are certainly 
among other things, heart, soul, and strength. So let's follow that biblical pattern for uh, us as humans, okay? First, heart. Now, in our language, in all our worldview, the heart is the place of our emotions. When we say that uh, we have given our heart to someone, we're talking about our emotional draw, attraction to that person. Um, but in the Hebrew worldview, the biblical worldview of the Old Testament, the heart was really the place of where we were thinking, our intellect, what we think of as the mind. In the Old Testament, the heart is the place of understanding. When we're confused, uh, it's, it's, that's happening in our heart. And in the Bible, when we hear the terms foolish of heart or slow of heart, it's talking about not getting it, not understanding um, we do share the Hebrew worldview that the heart is the inner, inner person. It's where our character is formed, in the heart. To love the Lord our God with all our heart is to say that our love for the Lord is something that we understand. We think about it. We are clear about it. We know how we are to love. Second, soul. In the Hebrew worldview, the soul was the place of the emotions. That was the place where you feel. The place of passions, the place of our appetites, our desires. The soul is the breath, the blood, the life of a person. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 30, uh, when it speaks of the breath of life that God gives to all things, that's the word that's used, soul. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when we read the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Again, that's the word that is used. Life, soul. The soul is the very life of a person. The soul is like the uh, operating system of a human being. If, if, if you know computers, you know, it, it's like a program that runs the operating system that runs a computer. Um, an operating system manages all the software, all the hardware on a computer. Our computer is worthless without Win Microsoft Windows or without Apple OS or some operating system. The operating system is the big deal on a computer. The operating system needs to be working well for everything to be worked, for anything to be working. Some of you are saying, oh, that, that's what's wrong with me. I need an operating system, operating system tune-up. That's, that's the thing with my life. That's uh, right there, yeah. Bill, good. Um, the human soul seeks to integrate our will, which is our intentions, seeks to integrate our mind, the way we think, the way we uh, feel, the way the values we hold, our conscience, and it seeks to integrate our body, our strength, our actions, so that we are a whole person. In the Shema, we hear that we are to love the Lord God who is one and who is God alone. If this is so, then we are most integrated when he is at the center of our lives and he is inhabiting the very center of our souls. If God is the operating system, then all the different competing uh, responsibilities and loyalties and relationships that make up our lives and that pull us in different directions. All the different contradictions, all the different struggles that we face in life, if, they, if he is at the center, they, those can in some way be unified. 
if we connect all the competing parts of our life to God, we will in some way be more whole. In Psalm 103, when it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Uh, that is the place where everything within us is brought together. Last fall, many of you were part of our uh, Sunday morning adult class. We were going through the book uh, or the DVD series by John Ortberg, Soul Keeping. Many of you have read that book or you went through that series. And if you remember, one of the things that John Ortberg pointed out is that the soul is the place of our desires and our wants. And the soul is always in a state of wanting and desiring. Our wants and our needs are part of us, and they are meant to point us to God, ultimately. Our wants and our needs are meant to point us to God. But instead, we often give our love to other things. That is called idolatry. Idolatry is loving other things way ahead of God. Idolatry is misplaced love. Misplaced love. Our souls were made by God. Our souls were made for God. Our souls were made to need God. To love the Lord with our soul is to love him with all of our life. Third is strength. The root for the word of strength is really a descriptive word. It means muchness. It means abundance. It means exceedingly. Strength is the place of our willpower. You know, it, it takes elbow grease sometimes to love God. You have to will it. It can be easy to make promises to love and devote ourselves to God when the message is great and the music is inspiring us. Um, it, it's easy to make promises to love God in the heat of emotion, when the crowds are shouting praises, uh, when we're on a spiritual high, when everything is well. But you know, I'll be loving God, the Lord my God, with my strength, with my willpower, with my muchness, when I walk with him and when circumstances are tough. Do I love God and do I have the determination of faith when things are heavy? The reality of our love is probably most revealed in adversity, in times of dryness, in times when things aren't particularly fulfilling, nor are they particularly easy. Loving God with our strength includes all we have physically. It includes our resources. It includes our energy. It includes our gifts, our knowledge. Heart, soul, and strength. We love the Lord, our God, with our heart, with the way we think. We love the Lord our God with our soul in the things we desire. We love the Lord our God with our strength with actions that actually show how we love. We get an example of someone who loved the Lord uh, kind of buried in the Old Testament, in the person of King Josiah. In the second book of Kings, we read this. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. Those are the exact words of the Shema. What a great way to have your life summarized when it's all said and done. You go back and you read the events of King Josiah, and we see, number one, he read and he heard the word of God. He took it seriously. 
Number two, King Josiah removed whatever offended and was not of the Lord in the land. And there was a lot of that in his time. And number three, he, he, he re restored the worship of the people, particularly reclaiming the lost practice of the Passover. King Josiah heard the words of the Shema and he lived them. Now remember the Shema directs us to what? Love the Lord our God. It is not just, well, think about the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength. It's not just, well, re revere the Lord your God. It's not just, well, admire the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your strength. We are commanded to love the Lord our God. And it is our love that God wants. Love for God is going to produce a hatred for sin, and it's going to produce a desire for holiness. Love for God is going to produce gratitude for God's goodness and a joy when the Lord is near and a grief when he is absent and mercy for other people. It will touch our whole life. In Romans 12, in the New Testament, after writing so much about the grace that God shows us and how we are able to have relationship with him through Jesus Christ and that grace, Paul writes this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul was drawing on the Jewish image of sacrifices. And in, under the Old Covenant, when people would bring their offerings, their sacrifices to the priest, and he would put that animal on the altar, everything was consumed. Sacrifices were not partial. The whole thing went up in smoke. Offering our bodies, I think renewing our minds, offering our bodies and our minds is another way of saying the whole of us all our heart, all our strength. Now, Eugene Peterson took those words, and in his translation, the message, he took those very words of Paul in Romans 12, and he put them this way. I'd like us to read them together. Join me. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. That sounds like loving the Lord to me, just in a different way. I asked this last week. I ask it again this week. How much do you, how much do I, how much do we love the Lord our God? With all that we are? Now, this doesn't mean that I think about the Lord all the time. It doesn't mean that I 
am consciously passionate about the Lord 24-7. It doesn't mean that we never sit down or rest from doing everything we can for God. We know we can't do that. No one can do that. We can't even do that with love those closest to us in that way. But in our ordinary, everyday life, do we love him? In the places that God has put you, in the life that he has given to us, in the circumstances, in the realities that where he has led us, do we love him? Are the parts of our life connected to him? Do we love God by giving him our focus our, and our attention a little bit each day? Just like we give our attention every day to, to the newspaper or, or, or to our daily walk or our daily run. Every day we show our love by having some time of devotion. Is this, this is also a way our love for the Lord can grow. Do we love God in our family relationships? Do we, do we love him in the way we treat our spouse, in the way we treat our children, in the way we treat our parents? Do we love God in our business practices? How we make money, how we treat our employees, how we treat our customers, how we teach our students, how we live with the people that we deal with? Do we love God with our time, our wealth, our gifts, our knowledge, our abilities? Do we love God with our mouths, with our eyes, with our ears, with our appetites? Do we love God in the priorities, the values, the convictions that we hold in our life? Do we love God in our neighbors? Jesus pointed out our love for God in that direction. And next Sunday, we're going to take that head on in kind of a special, different sermon. And it's not just going to be having to listen to Pastor Phil. Uh, you're going to hear from some other people about what it means to love our neighbor, that part of loving God, loving our neighbor. Loving God with all keeps us from compartmentalizing our life with him. I mean, I can't just love God on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays and not love him on Saturdays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, nor do I love him just in my church life and then forget about him in all the other parts of my life. All is all. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and in all our strength is to surrender to him. And I think Scott McKnight said something very wise when he said, surrender is not giving things up for God so much as giving ourselves to God. Giving ourselves to God. We place our business. We place our schedule. We place our family. We place our spirituality. We place our leisure. All the different parts that make us up underneath the Lord. We give it to him. It's in line with what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. Your will be done. Not my way, but, but your way. Prayer of surrender. When we put these three challenging phrases together, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, it adds up, this is what it adds up to, this right here, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your being, with every aspect of your personality, without exception, without reservation. Sound impossible? Again, you know what? It's about love. And love always depends on the desires and the wishes 
that are deep inside of us. We love what we desire and what we wish for. Do we really love God? Or do we merely just want to stay on the right side of him? You know what the good news is? That when we don't do all, because we don't all the time, God doesn't condemn us. He knows how Phil's made. He knows how we're made. And he is gracious in his love for us and he forgives us and he lifts us up again to start again, to renew that love. And our all might not be very much, particularly at a given time. Our all might be just a few moments. Our all might be just a small, small act. Our all might be just showing up because that's about all we, we can do. All is not always about the amount. Jesus saw a poor widow one day, and she, was, she put in two small copper coins into the offering of the temple treasury. Two small copper coins called lepta, which those coins were the smallest monetary value in the New Testament. Think pennies, okay? Just think pennies. And Jesus praised her so everybody could hear it for putting in more than those, he said, that even had more wealth and who had actually put in more money of more greater value. Why? Because he said she gave all that she had. She gave all that she had. You know, the Lord knows what our all is. He knows what your all is. He knows what my all is. And to offer our all in love to the Lord, whatever the amount, whatever the measure, whatever the effort, that's the best sacrifice to him. When my daughter, Kara, she, she was singing here this morning, when, when she was very young, Kara made me a bowl. And uh, it was for my oatmeal. I have oatmeal just about every day. And uh, it says, Dad's Oatmeal Bowl. And uh, she made this when she was young, and she gave it to me. And um, I love this bowl. I, 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 there's rarely a day that I don't use it for something. Now, um, this Coles, uh, Nordstrom's, they're not going to pick this up for a line of dishes. They're not going to do it. And, and it's not... It's beautifully painted, but, it, I mean, it's not exquisitely painted. It's not artistically painted or anything. And, and um, I couldn't sell this for any money. I couldn't get diddly for this, really, and, and probably no one else wants it. Um, and, and we have better dishes in our house. We have some, some, you know, nice dishes. I think we have some china somewhere. And uh, so there's a lot of bowls that I can use. Um, but this one says, I love you on the bottom. Oatmeal. Dad's oatmeal bowl. When Kara made this, when she was young, she put all her heart, all her soul, all her strength into this. It was her all. Many a parent, many of you have a picture, many a grandparent, you have a picture 
somewhere, maybe even framed from a, a child or grandchild who made that for you maybe many, many years ago. And it is, it is so important to you. It, and you know what? It, it, it's, it's, and it means more to you than any work of art you could get at an exquisite art gallery that uh, could be given to you because you know it's from the heart of your child. It was their all in love. The Shema asks us to love our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. Give him your all. Let's pray. Eternal God, you've made us in your image. And you've given us hearts and you've given us minds given us souls and bodies to know you and to love you. That's how we're made. That's what we're made for. May your Holy Spirit stir our desire for you so that we will love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all that we are. Amen. Let's stand and sing these words together. Lord bless you and the Lord keep you.